0: Make him as welcome as you always make us, and it'll be fine. Let's give him a good, warm First Assembly welcome. Well, are you glad for Jesus this morning? Can you say amen? Can you point this one at me, brother, and give me more monitors? We're just going to have a good time this morning, okay? How many of you believe that God is a good God? How many of you believe that God is a faithful God? Well, I can tell you that I believe that God is going to perform something good in this service this morning. Do you believe it? Come on, give the Lord another hand clap, will you? Give him praise this morning. I just feel like something good is about to happen. I just feel like something good is on its way. He has promised that he'd open all of heaven And brother, this could be that very day When God's people humble themselves To call on Jesus And they I forgot the words while I'm singing I just feel like something good is about to happen And brother, this could be that very day. Do you believe it? Come on, put your hands together. I have noticed all the bad news in the paper. And it seems like things are bleaker every day. But for this, the child of God, it makes no difference because it's bound to get Better either way. I have never been more thrilled about tomorrow. Sunshine's always bursting through those skies of gray. I just feel like something good is about to happen. And brother, this could be. Sister this could be, neighbor, this could be, that very day, amen, come on, praise the Lord better than that, give him a good hand clap, I am just so happy to be here today, delighted to be able to help you build the kingdom of God here. Where are we at, brother? Where's this? We're on an island. Is it Fleming Island? Is that correct? That's good. I was coming over here this morning. I said, I don't even know the name of the church. First Assembly of God. This is the first church of God. Amen? The first assembly of God. I mean, the first church in Fleming Island. Oh, you didn't get that. Okay, I'll come back to it later. I just want to say that I'm honored to be able to speak to you today. And please hear me when I tell you I am here under divine appointment. The secretary of the church is Amanda. Is she here? Where is she at?
1: Hi, Amanda. Now you have a face
0: face to the person that you've been talking to. She asked me, uh, Brother Richard, do you have words to songs that you need? I said, yes, I'll send them to you. She said, do you have an outline of your message that you're going to preach? And I said, yes, I'll send them to you. But I never did, did I? And here's why. I got a lot of sermons that I could preach this morning. I've been in evangelism most of my ministry. Charles Spurgeon once said, a sermon is not worth its salt unless it's been preached 50 times. That being the case, Pastor and I have got some sermons that are nearing maturity. Well, it's so good to see you this morning, and Carolyn, I am delighted to see you. You're just as beautiful as ever, and that's a direct answer to my prayers. I prayed for you. I really did. Come on, give it. Yes. Give her a hand clap. And I don't see Billy around anywhere, but it's nice to be here with Billy. What, What a great team. Where, is he hiding somewhere? Okay, he's just wandering around taking care of things. But uh, I, do, I do want to remind you that I am here under divine appointment. I'll tell you more about that a little bit later on. Can I just relax and take my time and talk to you this morning? Okay. All right. I want to say just a word about Melody Thomas. You saw me hold her hand when she handed me the mic. It's because I wanted to know if her husband was here. I have known Melody and her husband Her husband, not as long as Melody. I've known Melody since she was a little baby girl. I preached all over the country following a music director that was one of my favorites. He was the best music director in the Assemblies of God. He'd preach at one place, and I'd go preach there. He'd, he'd, He'd lead music at one place, I'd go preach there. He'd go to another place, I'd go preach there. He'd go to another place. As a matter of fact, he passed away several years ago. And I had the privilege of uh, preaching his funeral. Tommy Thomas was a great friend of mine. Melody is so good to see you today, and your husband. God bless you Okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, cut to the chase. I'm going to get right to where the Lord wants us to be. You guys have uh, music for the words ready to go up on the screen. You do or don't. Well, I better take mine out just in case you don't. Because I didn't remember all the words to the song I was singing a moment ago. But uh, I, uh, the reason I am not preaching one of my typical evangelistic sermons is because, and I've got I've got so many that I know work. You know what I mean? I preach and I've seen results from those sermons. But I laid down to sleep Wednesday night. And I had a dream about this church. Never been here before? People in this church. And I'm going to be telling you more about it a little bit later on. Just know that God has everything under control. And God is going to speak to you that are here in this room today. Here's a song I want you to put. If you have the words, put them up. I want you to pay attention to what the words say, because they're leading me into my sermon this morning. I really don't have a sermon. I've just got a truth that I'm going to share with you, okay? And this is the beginning of it. Bring it out, if you will, Jim. Let me hear it. And listen as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. When I saw what lay before me, I cried, Lord, what will you do? I thought that he would just remove it, but he gently... Without fire There's no refinement Without pain There's no relief Without flood There's no rescue Now watch Without testing No belief Through the fire Through the flood Through the water the storm that rages. Take you safely. Through. God has given every one of you in this room today. Something. Every calling, every assignment, your destiny is always preceded by a wilderness experience. (laughs) Jesus Christ, before he went into his ministry and started preaching healing the sick and raising the dead. He went through the wilderness for 40 days. you remember that the Apostle Paul, when he received his moment of conversion, he went from there into a wilderness time where God prepared him for the season that he was getting ready to enter into. John the Revelator, If ever there was a man who was in touch with God, it was John the Revelator. And yet, he was banished to the Isle of Patmos. And during that time that he was on the Isle of Patmos, he gave us the tremendous book of Revelation. I have been studying the book of Revelation just recently. And it's absolutely amazing what God gave to John the Revelator may have been calling him John the Baptist, but John the Revelator, what God gave him on the Isle of Patmos. I don't know why he was there. I really don't know why you may be going through a wilderness experience today. I really don't know why you may be faced with issues, circumstances. I do know this weariness you may be tempted to give up and quit but I want to remind you of something God's timing is perfect his schedule may be different from ours but I'm telling you that God will always appear to you right on time never a moment too early but never a moment too late. Don't you wish he was more early than he is late? But he's never early, he's never late. Because you are going through a refinement process. Bring the words up just a little bit more, and I want you to see the words to that song that says, Through the fire there's a refining process that takes place. Turn with me if you want a scripture reference that you can refer to. Go to the book of Malachi chapter 3. And I, I just want to skip several verses. I wish I could have time to, to read everything that I, I want to bring to your attention. But time is of essence this morning. And I want you to look at verse 3, Malachi chapter 3. And he shall sit as a refiner And purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Now I know that that particular passage is speaking to the priest that had the responsibility, especially the high priest, of entering into the Holy of Holies. Once a year, he would represent the people to God. Then he would come out of the Holy of Holies, and he would represent God to the people. But you will remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross. And you remember that during that moment, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. In other words, it was torn in two. It was not torn in half from bottom to top. It was torn in half from top to bottom, meaning that God, from that moment to this very moment, has provided access for every believer that is under the sound of my voice to enter into the throne room that we identify as the holy of holies. You may say, well, I don't understand. I'm not a priest. Oh, yes, you are. You are members of a royal priesthood. You are members of a chosen generation. And you are a priest before the Lord to reveal righteousness and holiness to the world that we're living in. And Malachi says, God is going to purify you so that you can reveal to the world the person of Jesus Christ. Let's talk about how gold is refined for just a moment, okay? First of all, gold is only found in small quantities and rarely in a pure state. When gold is discovered, it has to be purified, and when it's purified, it becomes soft and free from corrosion. But normally, when you discover gold, it is mixed with other metals, copper, iron, nickel. It becomes hardened because the other metals are mixed in with the gold. And the higher percentage of foreign substance there is makes the gold harder. Now, let me remind you of something. If you've never been purified by the Holy Spirit... It's very possible that you may be hardened in your heart, hardened in your spirit. Maybe you've been in the way for many, many years, and you fail to realize that God is leading you and guiding you every step of your way. You have a calling. You have an assignment. God has prepared your destiny. Now, if you hear me preach for any length of time, you're going to hear me talk about the trichotomy of man. You are spirit, soul, and body. I want you to plant that in your spirit this morning, so I want you to verbalize it. I want you to say it out loud. Could somebody bring me a a bottle of water, please, and open it before you bring it, so I won't have to deal with it? Well, thank you, sweetheart. Uh, you are spirit, soul, and body. I'm going to say it, and I want you to repeat it after me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Now, please don't turn that around. You are not body, soul, and spirit. You are spirit, soul, and body. The real you is the spiritual you. So I want you to understand that. Let's do it again. I say it, and then you repeat it. I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a body. Thank you. Now, some people have become believers, and I suspect that most of us in this room today are believers. Most of you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And there may be some of you that are not believers. You may say, but I'm not what you're talking about. I'm not spirit, spirit, soul, and body because I'm not a Christian. I've never accepted Christ. But the fact is that you're still a trichotomy. You're still spirit, soul, and body. The difference is you've never been resurrected spiritually. You see, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you experience a spiritual resurrection, and you become alive spiritually. Now, the whole objective of Christianity, listen carefully now. Young people, older people, Like, listen to me because this is going to help you. The whole objective of Christianity is for you to feed the spirit man. You're born into the family of God as a child, as a baby, and then you need to mature. You need to grow. And as you go through the growing process, you need to keep feeding the spirit man just like you feed the carnal man, the fleshly man. And the idea is for you to feed the spiritual man so that the spiritual man grows and looms larger than the fleshly man. So that your life is not controlled by the flesh. Your life is controlled by the Spirit. We have many, many people who know Jesus Christ. I don't question that. But you're really not living according to the Spirit. You're immersed in the world's system. You're immersed in the things of the world. And whether you realize it or not, you need to feed the spiritual man, grow spiritually, so that the spirit man from day to day conquers the fleshly man. Now, if you were to ask me, I would tell you that the church is basically disabled because we fail to recognize that truth we failed to subject our lives to the refinement that God has begun. He which begun a good work in you will finish that work until the day of his appearing if you'll just go with the plan, if you'll just work with the system. You see, God wants you to become the best version of who you are for the kingdom of God. God wants you to have all of the impurities burned out of you so that what remains is the purest of gold. Now listen to me carefully. The purest gold that you're going to find is basically transparent. Did you know that? That's the reason why when we get to heaven, we're going to live in mansions that are purest gold. We're going to walk on streets that are pure as They're transparent. Now, I'm, I'm conditioned to believe that in heaven, we're going to have a lot of condominiums. Now, you may be satisfied with the condominium, but I'm looking for a mansion, okay? But many people think of it, because the New is 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, in its its dimensions, it's going to have to be some kind of a condominium situation. But listen, you won't have to worry about whether what you do will be seen by other people, because you won't have nothing to hide. Everything will be transparent. You'll be able to look through the walls, and it won't make any difference. But now, whatever is contrary to the will of God, to the plan of God, to the word of God, you want to hide it and keep it a secret. You can't keep it a secret from God. Because when you find yourself in the presence of God, you find yourself with someone who is looking for his reflection through you. I lost my wife seven years ago today. Seven years ago, November 17, my wife passed away. Pastor and his wife knew her well, and she was an incredible person. And she was such a person that reflected the characteristics and the lifestyle and the nature of Jesus Christ, until it was just second nature with her. She some people thought it was a put-on. Some people thought it was it was just a, a show. How she treated people, because she loved everybody. I mean, I've watched her as she was used and abused, and she still overcame. She still she still began to uh, exhibit the characteristics of Jesus Christ. My daughter asked me. She said, "Dad, mom was a beautiful woman, and." Uh, as she lived upon the earth, what do you imagine that she looks like in heaven? And I said to her, Michelle, uh, when she lived upon the earth, she had all of the distractions of life to deal with, to contend with, all of the wilderness experiences that we all face from time to time. But yet, Mom, she had this nature, her desire was to please Jesus and as a result her life on the earth was a reflection of Jesus Christ but in heaven she's not worried about the distractions of life now because the light of heaven is Jesus the light of heaven is God it just automatically shines through her and so in heaven she's that much more beautiful because she is of gold of the purest form And she is transparent. And that's exactly what God wants you to shoot for, what he wants you to aim for in life. He wants people to look at you so that when they look at you, they will perceive that you have been in the presence of Jesus Christ. Because you're so pure before him, you're transparent. You don't want people to see the vessel that you're living in. You want them to see what's in the vessel. When you have a transparent gold vessel, you don't look at uh, the outside of the vessel. You look at what's in the vessel, and that's what God has designed for you. That is your destiny. I've got to very quickly move along, but let me just say one thing before I leave that point. And Maya, I wish I had time to just have a seminar with you for a while, Okay. But I'm not going to do that, don't worry. But the fact is that uh, uh, you may be going through a struggle, you may be going through a wilderness experience, but remember, the goldsmith, or the silversmith, if you want to identify silver as being the same thing, because someone asked a silversmith, how do you know when the silver is ready, when you subject it to the fire, How do you know when the silver is pure silver? He said, all you have to do is look at the silver, and if you see your reflection, you know that it's ready. Please hear me. God is the jeweler. He will never allow it to be hotter than you can stand. Nor will He allow it to be so cold that you'll never... Learn from the experience. He wants you to understand that he is in control. Now, I didn't realize I was doing so bad this morning that they're all walking out on me. God bless you guys. Come back. Not now, but later. Come back. That would damage damaged a guy's self-esteem in a hurry right there. Remember that God regulates the heat. Now listen, you don't need to tell me because I'm fully aware of what's going on in this room today. I know because God spoke to me. God has put it in my spirit, what is happening. And I know that some of you are going through the struggle and you're saying, I don't get it. I don't understand. Why me? I look at certain people and I say, why those people, Lord? I don't know, but God does. And he's the goldsmith. He's the silversmith. He is the one that controls the fire of refinement. I thought you would have shouted me down that time. Let's move on very quickly. I'm on my way to closing. It may take me 30 minutes to get there, but just please stay with me. Real quick, turn over to the book of Luke, and in chapter 5, you will, you'll find a story about wineskins. And let me just read, beginning with verse 37. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles. The new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. Now, let's look at that for just a moment. Let me remind you that wine is always a symbol of the presence of God. Okay? And the point is, if you are an old wineskin, I'm looking at some people that have been around for a while, and you've been living for the Lord for some time, and maybe your wineskin is not as pliable and as flexible as it ought to be. Do you remember how you used to be when you first got saved, man? Some of you were so excited. I, I remember, I remember a young man who came to my meeting. Uh, actually, was at my brother's church, and he, uh, he gave his heart to the Lord, and he, he was also baptized in the Holy Spirit. And after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I saw him a little bit later, and uh, he came along, and he said, Brother Richard, uh, this, is, this, is a, this is amazing. He said, I've never experienced anything like this. He said, it's, it's just revolutionized my life. And, and uh, I watched. And whenever service time came, he was he was, you know, used to sit way in the back. No reflection on you guys that are back there, okay? But now he wanted to sit up close to the front. He had to be right in the middle of the action. And then I watched him, I was so thrilled because you never know. When you're an evangelist, you preach and you move on. I could tell you stories. I have never been to a district function or a national convention of any kind where I have not had several people, not one, but several come up to me and say, you don't know me, you don't remember me, but this is what God did in your meetings. And I, I've watched people go through that, that scenario, that period of growth, and then i watched this young man, and I noticed that as time wore on that he wasn't as excited as, as he could have been about the things of God. And so it's not an immediate process, but you wear out. If you're fighting the fight of faith, you get tired. You want to give up. And you want to say to yourself, as many of you are saying in this room today, I don't know, it seems like God works for everybody else, but he's not working for me. You're going through the wilderness experience, and you're saying, why doesn't God do something for me now? Well, maybe God is waiting for you to allow Him to fix and repair the old wine skin of your life. You know how, you know how a wine skin is is uh, repaired. First of all, listen now. Please listen, because there are little things that I'm saying that, if you don't listen, it'll, it'll just run right, just go right over you. First of all, you got to empty the wine skin of the wine. That's the way some of you feel today, like, I can't touch God. He's gone. But here, look at me and listen. God is with you in your coming in and in your going out. God is with you when you feel like he's nowhere to be found. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. And even though he's emptied the wineskin of the old wine, the reason for that is because he's preparing you for a new season. He's preparing you for the new wine. Now, I believe beyond a shadow of doubt that we have uh, we have failed our generation. I some of you know that I minister in Europe a lot. I think the gentleman here this morning was uh, in Europe quite a bit, and I I speak at the Bible College over there a lot. And uh, a lot, a couple, two or three times, I did a a five-week deal, not a five-week, five-day thing there at the school. And uh, uh, whenever I go to those places, they want to show me the, the tremendous structures that represent the church. And it's enjoyable, but the truth is, that whenever I go into those great cathedrals of Europe, or even here in the United States, I look at the structure of the cathedral, and it is inspiration just to watch it, but at the same time, it grieves me. Do you know that it was Europe that received the call by God himself in a dream? Paul saw... The gentleman saying to him, please come here, we need you. He was on his way to another location, but he said, no, we've got to go to Europe. And he went to Europe, and that's where revival was born. That's where it was birthed. And boy, do I wish I had time to get into the explanation of why that Europe today is the most heathen, nation, heathen continent, I should say, on the face of the earth. Did you know that? When they represented the birthplace of the move of God. Because their wineskins became brittle. Their wine skins did not represent the new wine of the presence of God that began to flow through the people. But suddenly, because of what was happening, the distractions and the difficulties and life, you know, life happens. Hello? And if you're not careful, it will begin to drain everything that was so alive and vibrant in you until you have nothing left within you. But I'm telling you today that what we desperately need in our churches is not greater buildings. Do you know when the Cathedral of Notre Dame was burned in Paris? I've been there. I've seen it. It was an absolutely phenomenal uh, structure. But do you know without any without any funds being repaired in a special way without any telephones or asking for funds? Do you know that people have sent them one billion B with a B, billion dollars to rebuild that church? Because their identity of God is the building. The building is not the church. You are the church. You are the priest that God has called. And you're the person that the enemy is trying to deceive into thinking that you really don't have a destiny. You really don't have a calling. You really don't have an assignment. But God said, I put my finger on your life. I've got you exactly where you want to where I want you. You may not understand it. You may not recognize it, but there is the person and the presence and the power, the manifest presence of God is in you, even though you may be going through a trial. And what we need is a fresh move of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But in most places, it's rejected. went to one of the largest churches, Methodist churches in Orlando, Florida. They asked me to come and speak to their men's Bible study. It was a tremendous opportunity. And I went there, and I said, okay, God, you've given me this opportunity. Now I'm just going to lay it on the line. And I said, men, you need to understand that, that what you need is a definite move of the Spirit of God. You need to have a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Let the new wine of the Holy Spirit come and fill that repaired wineskin. You know how God repairs a wineskin? He empties it completely and totally. Then, He soaks it in water. And speaking of water, You know what that water is? It's the water of the Word of God. How much time do you spend in the Word of God every day of your life? Are you feeding your spirit the Word? Well, the old wineskin that has become discouraged and despondent because of all that you've been dealing with needs to experience that immersion In water, the water of the Word of God. And then the wineskin is rubbed with olive oil. You know what that olive oil represents? The move of the Spirit of God that we desperately need in our generation. I went to a church to preach one time. And... uh, I got to the church. They'd invited me. I didn't know what it was like. It was over in Louisiana. And when I got to the place, I thought, wow, this building is not much. I went to the restroom and I looked around and I thought, man, this is terrible. And I thought, "What? what is going on here? But then I went out and got ready set up for my sound and and uh, they introduced me and I I looked at people that were standing around the walls because they couldn't get in a building that was about this size to be honest with you and people could not get into the building because there just wasn't any room for them in the church. And then when I started preaching, I tell you they took the word we had such an explosion of the Word of God in that room today. They weren't worried about putting God in a time box. I said that because some of you are getting a little time conscious. I don't even know what time it is. I look for guy. Yeah, I see it now. I see it. I got two minutes. It's digital. I'm looking for an old-fashioned clock up. we had revival. So I left. We had a tremendous move of the Spirit of God. and They called me up later and said, would you come back? And I said, sure I'll come back. By then they built a new church. They told me, man, we've got a brand new facility. And I went to that church. It was wonderful. They built, they just brought it right up out of the ground. It It was gorgeous. Just the way they wanted it. And I've never seen a place more lifeless than that place. Because all of a sudden, their focus was not on how much of the Spirit of God is moving in this room. Their focus is we want to be friendly seeker, and we want people to come to our church because they have an interest in God. Listen, you get them over the Spirit of God going, and people won't be able to even ride by this church without coming in and finding out what's happening here. forgive me that the pastor may not invite me to come back anymore because I'll tell you this the pastor and his wife and Billy and his wife, they're doing a tremendous God, job of creating an atmosphere of God in this place there's an atmosphere of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you want to be a part of, and so I'm telling you that allow the Holy Spirit to give you a fresh filling of new wine. It may be new methods. You're not married to methods. You're married to principle. And it may be a new wine and a little different than you would have designed it, but God is saying, move in the flow. Move in the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit and let God fill you. The Bible says, of the innermost part of a man's being, there shall flow rivers of living water. Now, you know, I've read that verse of Scripture for years without realizing that the word rivers is not singular, it's plural. Are you listening? That means you have not just a river of the Spirit of God, you have rivers of the Spirit of God. God is saying to you that I want the rivers of the gifts of the Spirit to flow through your life because every one of you have all nine gifts of the Spirit resident in you, and God wants to use you to exhibit those gifts to become a conduit so that God can touch the people that you come in contact with that your pastor will never meet, Billy will never meet, but you will meet them. And God is saying, I have called you to allow the rivers of the working of miracles, the rivers of discernment, the rivers of faith, the rivers of miracles to flow through your life so that you can make a difference. And the church will not only be here in this building, but the church will be wherever you go, wherever you take the church. So if you're going through a struggle, if you're going through a difficult time, I want to I tell you this morning that you're a survivor. And as a survivor, who you are, what has happened to you, what is happening to you is shaping you. You can be the perfect version of who God wants you to be. You are unbreakable. You are immovable, you are unstoppable, you are an overcoming for the overcomer for the Lord Jesus Christ. All you gotta do is redig the wells. Very quickly, you go into what, the twenty sixth chapter of the book of Genesis, and you'll find out that Isaac was there amongst the Philistines. And God had blessed Isaac so much. And while Isaac was being blessed, the Philistines would come. Remember that it was Abraham that dug the wells. And Isaac was now trying to utilize the... He was trying to stand on the shoulders of his dad. And he realized that he needed to use the water that was in these wells. But the Philistines would come and they would fill them up. They would fill them up until Isaac said, no, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And he made a pact with him, and he left. He went out on his own. And the Bible records he re-dug the wells that had already been dug. But you see, people had filled them with the flesh. People had filled them with programs and ideas. But I submit to you that you need to re-dig the wells. He told his men, go out and dig the wells. They came back and said, sir, we struck water. How many of you know who Tyler Perry is? Sure you do. Here's the question. How many of you know who Medea is? Yeah, everybody knows Madea. Tyler Perry went to California. He bought a facility that was just unbelievable. And it was, it was destined to be used to produce, but then it was also to be used for the glory of God. And he started watering the grass to make it look pretty. And he said it was costing him millions just to water the grass. So he called some people out and he said, I want you to dig some wells. We need to find some water. So they started digging wells. They, dig, they dug a well here. They dug a well over there. They come to him each time and say, I'm sorry, pal. We just can't find any water. He said, you mean to tell me the last well you tried to dig, you haven't found any water? He said, nope, not a drop. He said, do me a favor, will you? Dig just a little bit more. And some of you are way ahead of me. He dug four inches deeper. And they discovered that there are literally rivers flowing beneath that property. And now they water the grass. And I, I saw a picture of it on television the other day. Absolutely phenomenal. Because they have plenty of water to water the grass. And I'm saying to you this morning, listen, it feels like you've come to the end of your rope. It feels like you have had so much opposition that you just don't want to do it anymore. But God is saying, listen, dig the well just a little bit deeper. Go a little bit deeper in God and God is going to allow the rivers of water to flow through your life so that people will experience the outpouring of the presence of God. My advice to you is to be refilled with the presence of God. Some of you feel like you don't know what to do and don't know how to do it. I would remind you that when God spoke to Abraham give your only son Abraham took Isaac with him and they're going up the mountain without realizing that as they were going up the mountain, can you imagine what Abraham must have felt he's going to offer his only son as a living sacrifice can you imagine the defeat and the discouragement God I don't get this. I don't understand it. Why is it happening this way? But remember, while he's going up the mountain, one side, God is coming up the other side of the mountain with the sacrifice that he would need to offer to the Lord. Hello? I want to tell you that God is right where you are. And you may feel like, well, i tried... And it's been very difficult. But as you're going up the mountain, God is coming up the other side of the mountain. And sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes it takes a desert. Whatever it takes, God is waiting for you to respond. I've faced a mountain. That I never faced before. That's why I'm calling on the Lord. I know it's been a while, but Lord, please hear my prayer. I need you like I never have before. Sometimes it takes a mountain, sometimes a troubled sea, sometimes it takes a desert to get a hold of me. Your love is so much stronger Than whatever troubles me Sometimes it takes a mountain To trust you and believe Forgive me, Jesus. I thought I could control
1: whatever life would throw my way.
0: But this, I will admit, has brought me to my knees. I need you, Lord, and I'm not ashamed to say sometimes it takes a mountain sometimes a troubled sea sometimes it takes a desert to get a hold of me. Now listen,
1: your love
0: is so much stronger than whatever troubles me, sometimes it takes a mound. To trust you and believe. Sometimes it takes a mountain. To trust you and believe. It may seem like your faith is weak because of what you've been dealing with. But trust him today, will you? Stand to your feet with me all over the room, please. Come on, trust him. Say, God, I believe you. Sometimes a troubled sea, sometimes it takes a desert to get a home. so much stronger than whatever troubles me. Sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe. Sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe. Lord, I trust you today. In Jesus' name. Remain standing, please. God has anointed me to sing the word. God has anointed me to preach the word. God has anointed anointed me to pray for people. Close your eyes, please. And in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't have to pray. You just need to agree with the prayer that I'm praying. Father, because of your word, my faith in your word, I believe in your method of calling things that are not as though they were. So I speak to the mountain of adversity that stands before your people today. And I proclaim that the mountain shall be dissolved. It shall disappear. It shall not hinder your people any longer. This major problem that faces your people, whoever it may be in this room today, Lord, is no match for the Word of God. I say to this mountain, be removed. Father, I proclaim that your promises are are mine. And that means that our bodies are well. And we are delivered from the authority of darkness. Sickness and disease have no power over your people. We are quickened, and according to the word of God, we are strengthened with all might, according to your glorious power. It is your strength, your power, your wisdom, your anointing that delivers us. For you sent your word, you sent your word and healed us and delivered us. I thank you for it, Lord. We are delivered. Because the word says so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Therefore, we are redeemed, we are delivered, because we say so. In the mighty, matchless, strong, and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Now give Jesus a good round of applause, would you please? Hallelujah.